You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. Now we speak to Raymond Parsons, professor at the Northwest University Business School. Good evening, Raymond. Thank you for joining us today. Hi there. Thank you very much for, for coming in. So there's, I think with Michael, you guys usually do a bit of a, a market wrap-up or some of the bigger events that happened through the course of the week. And there were actually quite a few things that happened in the international arena this week. I think starting with the G7, could you maybe just help us understand some of the outcomes of that meeting and particularly in the contextual, you know, with, with, uh, in context for South Africa? Yes, well, I think when we reflect on, on the G7 last week, uh, both from a global point of view and a South African point of view, I'd say there are four or five takeaways that, that, that I would note. The first is the commitment that a billion dollars of COVID-19 worth vaccines would be made available to those countries that need it. I would just put that into context by saying that the World Health Organization has indicated that the world needs 11 billion <laughs> wow. worth of uh, of vaccine. So uh, that's a contribution, and I think that's important. Uh, do the, we, as South Africa, fall into those countries? That'll well, be... I think some of it will go to what they call COVAC, which is the African uh, center for the distribution of vaccines. Right. But, of course, as it moves down the line, so the shares will, will fall. Yeah. But I'm sure we, we will get our share. And then the second point is on the climate change, the emphasis on wanting to get rid of coal-firing power stations and the, the willingness of the G7 to put some money where their mouth is to help those developing countries to switch over to the cleaner energy. So that's the second point. The third is it's clear that the United States is back in the game compared with the Trump era. I, I think that President Biden is now wanting to give leadership on a number of issues on behalf of the United States. And it's quite clear that the other six of the G7 are very pleased about that role. Uh, the fourth point is the emphasis uh, on indeed tightening up the global tax regime as far as the mm. tax giants are concerned and of course the tax havens where there's now some momentum behind the proposal that we should aim globally for a 15% minimum corporate tax. Uh, that's the proposal. It has quite, and there's some other issues which are related to that. And then finally, there was much support uh, for the fact as the United States is now embarked on an expansionary fiscal program, uh, and of course its monetary policy, which we'll come to later, I hope, uh, is uh, very easy at the moment. I think that the message from the other G6 was keep on spending. It's good for the world economy. Mm -hmm. It's good, in fact, for for the commodity prices. So for as long as that lasts, uh, that was perhaps the fifth and final takeaway that, that I saw from from the G7 meeting. If I could ask you an opinion, maybe, I think um, we've seen that Biden sort of following in the footsteps of Trump, which is a terrible thing to say, but it, you know, he continues to put pressure on China and he's trying to sort of rally some of the G7 leaders to, uh, he made a few interesting comments along the lines of, you know, they're sort of opposing, um, uh, you know, China is a bit of a threat to the Western world in the way of doing things, and they need to fight back and ensure that China doesn't usurp them uh, in terms of sort of the world economic powerhouse. Have you got any thoughts around that? Well, I, I think this really flows from from the welcome that the other six gave to the seventh member, mm. i.e. 
the the leadership role now being reasserted hmm. by by the United States because that does present more of a, a united front. Hmm. Not entirely because obviously there there are also divergent interests, but it does mean that having to deal with China as a major player in the world economy uh, and all the geopolitical issues that are related, you can make more of a team effort as a result of the G7 meeting. This is a very tough area and it's going to have to be dealt with very carefully. And then the U.S. Federal Reserve statement uh, came out during this week as well. Asset purchases continue as normal, um, you know, hints of two interest rate hikes over the next two years or so. Um, any thoughts on, on the implications of that? Well, I think uh, there is an impression and from the reaction I've seen today is there is some kind of market reaction that they sense there is a bit of a change of gear in the mm. outlook. Uh, I think the Fed, rather like St. Francis, has said we will be good, but not yet. Uh, so they are saying, look, uh, with inflation surging, we can live with it for the time being. Uh, but we're looking ahead down the track. And you must expect that the interest rates are going to remain where they are next year. Mm. Hence the idea that there may be two increases next year. I think the positive side here is that unlike the previous tapered tantrum that they had, which was a bit of a shock at the time some some years ago, there is now ample warning that that the lights may be turning from green to amber in the near future, and there will be discussion and debate. So I think you're going to see a more gradual reaction, and mm-hmm. there will have to be an adjustment sooner or later. The crucial issue now for the Fed is to get the timing right. That's That's very important now that they've put down a marker about next year. I think the other positive is that they did say they expect that the GDP growth rate in the United States this year will be 7% and that inflation will be 3%. I think that's a pretty good trade-off. Hmm. I wish South Africa could have a could 7% that. growth yeah. rate and a 3% inflation rate. So it's it's not panic stations. It's just a question. There is a gear shift and what the Fed is saying, look, we're just giving you uh, a warning hmm. that next year things may be a little different. Yeah. So, um, and I, I guess this leads me to a, a question. I mean, seven percent economic growth is fantastic, right? But that's off a, off last year's base. So, as a comparison, is it not more sort of prudent to to compare 2019 to 2021 and just ignore the 2020 data point completely? No, I think one has to take into account the baseline effects. But I think even if you do, remember that up until last month, the IMF and the Fed were talking about 6.2%. Mm. So, I mean, really, th- this is good news. Yeah. And I th- think that's a pretty good trade-off for the moment between 7% growth and 3% inflation. Yeah, it's certainly better than what we're getting. We're getting the opposite, right? 6% inflation and less than 3% growth. And that's been sort of the status quo for for some time now. Um, bringing it back to South Africa, I guess, uh, level three lockdown. I mean, yeah, is this one going to really affect us as much as the previous one? We've got some alcohol sale restrictions, some, uh, uh, you know, uh, curfew rest- changes and that kind of thing. Obviously, changes to the amount of people that may gather. Um, but in general, it feels as though life for now continues much like normal? Well, except on on the health front, clearly there's a serious challenge. Mm. The third wave is obviously decimating a large number of people. Infections uh, And are. it was expected that, 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 that this would happen. Uh, what was announced earlier this week in terms of level three was very much, I think, a soft landing mm. in present circumstances. 
saying, look, we need to strike a balance even now between uh, lives and livelihoods, and we're not going to take the sort of stringent measures that we took before, which, as we know, had quite a devastating effect on, on our economy last year. I think what it tells us is really that it's the vaccine rollout that is now the key. I mean, that is really the key. Mm. If you want to be able to avoid further serious lockdowns in the economy, you simply have to expedite uh, uh, the, the, the rollout of the vaccine, access it, and make sure that it reaches the maximum number of people as soon as possible. For the time being, we'll have to live with the uncertainty, some uncertainty. I think it will... The fact that even we've had a, a fairly softer lockdown has created some uncertainty. And in any case, looking at the numbers, I think a number of economists are saying in any case, the surge in growth that we've seen in the first half of the year will probably level out mm. in the second half of the year. Uh, we see it in the retail figures which have come out uh, for... That have for, been beyond expectations. It's been really good. Uh, well, no, they've actually been quite disappointing but not as bad as might have been from right. the circumstances. Okay. <laughs> I suppose. So what we're saying is, yes, we have an economic recovery. Yes, we think it's going to be between 4 and 5%, but always bear in mind it's a rebound, and we have to do other things in order to underpin it. Mm. We must ensure that whatever good economic news we have, whether it's the commodity boom or our rebound in our growth rate, that we underpin it with the structural reforms that give you your sustainable job-rich growth in the future. Mm. And that will bring us, of course, to the, reform, to the reform package that was announced last week in terms of the energy front. And, of course, that of was course, huge news as well. Yeah. Have you got any thoughts around that? I think, I mean, to me, the highlight there was that 100 megawatt generation is massive. News, eh? I think it was a, a surprise, an upside surprise, that could do this economy a lot of good if mm. if it actually represents a shift uh, uh, of, of some proportions. And I think it op opens up a lot of opportunities. It gives hope that there's new thinking mm. about, the, about the energy front, about how to deal with, with the state-owned enterprises. I think, however, as much as one welcomes it, and one does not want to strike a false note in the hallelujah chorus, right. the fact <laughs> remains the implementation remains the big issue. Mm. An important uh, and a very constructive announcement has been made both on the front of energy and with SAA. Now the issue in regard to, to the energy front is implementation risk. Are we going to ensure that the deadlines are met, that the timelines are met? It's not going to alter the load shedding. That's a short-term issue. We're going to have to live with that hardship. But you've now given hope that things can come on stream in future Hmm. which will gradually phase out the load shedding and give us the energy security that we want. On the SAA side, that's also positive. But once again, there are questions about the financing. Is How is it going to work? Uh, 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 is it transparent enough? Uh, so, so I think once again, it comes back to the old issue of implementation. Hmm. We must now walk this very important talk in a way that gives, if there is red tape, it must be smart tape, not red tape. Mm. Let's get on with it, and there needs to be a team effort. You can't rest it all on the shoulders of the president, although he has to give the leadership here. It, the team that he has, both in the cabinet and 
in the civil service has to rally behind these reforms and translate them into action, give them traction. And that is what will give us the investment we need uh, so that we can build the economy in the future, underpin this recovery. And instead of keep talking about the glass being half empty, we can talk about it being half full yeah. and we want it to run over. That's really what we want That's, in the next yeah. few years. And I think you make a, you make a good point because we have some of the most progressive policies, but the problem is getting the stuff done half the time, right? Well, that uh, comes back to the old cliche of walking the talk. Yeah. I think the president has made it very clear. He's been very sincere about what he wants to do, that some of the ways in which we're doing things are no longer acceptable. Mm. We simply have to bring fresh thinking to bear. But what's important, again, given our track record on, on poor implementation, and I'm not only speaking at the national level, we're talking now about energy in a macro sense, we're talking about SAA in, in a macro sense, we've got to also talk about what we need, need to do with the rest of our transport system, our, our roads, our mm. railways. That's tremendously important. And also to ensure that all these good intentions this time round will be translated into action that makes a difference and builds hope for the future because we have to make this glass half full and not half empty. Right. Okay. Thank you very much for your insight. Unfortunately, we, uh, we have run out of time. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, I enjoyed the insights from you this afternoon. That was uh, Raymond Parsons, a professor at the Northwest University Business School.